spend as much time as you can with your customers, get to know them and their pain points and how they think about them. And obviously that's the foundation for building a great product, but also to understand the messaging and sales and marketing go-to-market approach. You're listening to the Paris Talks Marketing Podcast, where we interview top marketing leaders at high growth SaaS and other recurring revenue-based companies. Our goal with this podcast is to cut through the fluff and jargon of digital marketing to reveal what's really working at some of the fastest growing, most successful SaaS companies today. The Paris Talks Marketing Podcast is sponsored by Hop Online, a performance growth marketing agency. If you like this episode and would like to have a similar conversation with someone at our agency, just go to hop.online, H-O-P, Dot online and book a discovery call with one of our strategists today. Now, let's get into the episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Paris Talks Marketing. Today, my guest is Khalid Naim, the co-founder and CEO of OnFleet, the fastest growing provider of last mile delivery management software. OnFleet powers millions of deliveries per week for thousands of businesses around the world, including companies like Kroger, Alto, Sweetgreen, and Total Wine, and more. OnFleet handles route optimization, dispatching, real-time driver tracking, proof of delivery, analytics, and customer communications. Khaled and OnFleet are both based in San Francisco, California. So Khaled, welcome to the show. Thanks, Paris. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So you all are providing a critical service for, uh, for this booming delivery business. When did you start the business? We started a while ago, actually, before the explosion with COVID, obviously, like it really accelerated the trends in the delivery space. But we got started really in 2015. That's when we launched OnFleet. But my co-founders and I had been working for a few years, even prior to that, on other technologies. We initially started with a product called Addy, which was a kind of a digital addressing system. So we were helping people communicate locations really targeting a similar space with logistics with that product. Worked on that for a couple of years. We were mostly focused on emerging markets with that product. And eventually we pivoted the business in 2015 and launched OnFleet. And what kind of growth did you see during the pandemic? I imagine there was a there was quite a spike. There was, yeah. I mean, you know, really peaked in April and May 2020. So during mm-hmm. lockdowns when businesses really had to shut their doors and the only way that they could get their goods to their customers was through delivery. That was, we saw hundreds of companies coming in overnight and we were a pretty, pretty bootstrapped operation at that point, actually. So we had <clears throat> hit break even. We we're operating around break even for a couple of years and then COVID, you know, hit and, and sort of pushed us to, to grow faster than, than we had anticipated. And so we, we did end up raising capital to, to fuel our growth, but we saw double-digit month-over-month growth for for several months and more than double the business in that year alone. That's awesome. And are you selling to companies that are handling, they're handling all of their deliveries internally? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, our software specializes in delivery management for businesses that have their own drivers, right? So they need to route and dispatch and track the drivers. The drivers need apps, right? So we do that, but a lot of our customers do have partnerships, relationships with third-party fleets. And they can sort of work with them off platform. They can also use OnFleet as kind of a collaboration backbone for that. If you're a retailer and you work with a local delivery service provider or DSP, you can actually use OnFleet to kind of 
collaborate more effectively. So the retailer can create the tasks as the orders are coming in from their consumer, and then they can delegate them to that third party who then uses OnFleet as well to execute the work so that the retailer benefits from all the real-time visibility, the status updates, the customer experience, and the analytics that they would sort of have if they had their own fleet using OnFleet. So we have customers sort of using it in in a number of different ways. The majority of our customers are using it for their own private fleet at this point, but we have big plans to kind of expand over the coming years to enable companies to to actually collaborate with third parties more efficiently and more effectively through OnFleet. We already support it. So if you're a retailer and you come to us and you say, hey, you know, I want to do deliveries in New York City, we can actually go to our network and find local providers in New York City that you can work with and we'll sort of make that connection so you can use OnFleet to find providers that you can outsource to as well. Gotcha. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about pricing and pricing strategies. And I, I'll do a screen share. This is only going to be visible for people watching the recording, not not just listening. But I find it very interesting. So you all have a free a free trial period for 14 days. And then you've got one of these different four options here, the starter, basic, premium, and professional. And when I look at the comparison, it looks like the main unit of measurement that determines price is something that you call tasks. That's correct. What does that mean for you all? How do you define a task? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So our our pricing is two two primary axes, right? So you've got feature set and then you've got task volume. Tasks is deliveries basically or pickups. So a task is a unit of work that happens at a specific location. It can be a pickup at a restaurant and then drop off at a customer. That would be two tasks. Or it could be pick up at the warehouse and then, you know, 25 drop-offs to different customers on a route. You know, that would be 26 tasks. We sort of broke delivery down into these fundamental components and allow for a lot of different, a lot of flexibility and businesses can use it in different ways. So yeah, tasks are kind of the fundamental unit that we price our product on. So it is a usage-based pricing structure. It's a three-part tariff is generally what that structure is known as. So where there's different tiers and each tier has a base price and it includes a certain volume of tasks so the usage is included in that base price but if you exceed that threshold that's included in that plan then you just pay per use if you're in so as you can see here yeah if you're in the basic you know you have 2500 tasks included per month and if you do more than that so here i think you're looking at if you're doing 10,400 tasks in a month then you're paying us that overage of 1264 Mm. for the task volume but then at that point, you should just have upgraded, right? So maybe it might make sense to upgrade at that point, although not necessarily because most, for the most part, you're going to be paying more even at the same task volume at higher tiers with this current pricing structure because you're getting more features as well. But yeah, the, the delta might be negligible. And so it might be worth it depending on you know if you benefit from those features. However, we are working on the next iteration of our pricing structure. We're simplifying it. We're reducing it down to just a couple of out-of-the-box tiers. So those four plans that you saw, those are just kind of the -the out-of-the-box plans. And then for all of our enterprise customers that need custom pricing and things like that, and they're doing, you know, super high volumes, we have custom plans for them with specific SLAs and things like that. So our standard sort of self-serve tiers, we're we're narrowing down to just two moving forward. Gotcha. And let's talk about self-serve and product-led growth. I see there's a 14-day trial period and there's a way to just sign up, most likely without needing to go through a demo or talk to salespeople. How many of the new customers that you're currently onboarding go through the product-led growth motion versus this contact sales motion here with a a higher sales touch approach? Yeah, it's about probably 
70% of our customers will go through kind of the product-led growth motion. But so that's 70% of the logos, obviously, you know, tends to be the higher paying customers, the larger customers that will reach out before they start a trial. Revenue-wise, probably closer to 30% of customers are self-serve at this point in time. It's obviously changed over time. So early on, it was majority self-serve. And these days we have, you know, a sales team and they're doing outbound campaigns and we're getting larger customers coming in the door, reaching out to us. However, even if a company comes in and, and sort of starts a trial and doesn't want to talk to anyone on the front end, like we'll, we have a nearbound process. So we'll reach out to them if we see that they're engaged and support them throughout that trial period to help drive the conversion. How do you determine when a salesperson should reach out to someone who is either in a trial period or do you look at the number of tasks or are there other metrics that would trigger a salesperson's time? Yeah. So we'll look at the generally like the company profile, right? Like, is this, is this a company that's established? Do they have a delivery operation already? We'll look at their activity in the product as well. Obviously if they're, whether they're already sort of off to the races and creating tasks and completing the work, like that's obviously a great sign and, and that'll encourage us to reach out probably even faster. But if they're not doing anything, then that also tells us something. And maybe it's, maybe there's something that we need to assist them with to sort of help them get up and running. So we'll also reach out in that scenario. Generally, we'll try and touch most of those companies that come in the type of product that we've built, right? This is logistics. It's inherently complex. There are some complexities that it's not like a purely product led growth strategy where you have, you know, one person kind of starting to use it and it sort of scales organically within a, within a company. This is like the company needs to really embrace this product and adopt it across their delivery operation. And so it generally does take more of a high touch sales approach. I understand. About how many of your free trial starts could now convert into paying customers? Free trial starts about 30%, 25 to 30%. And when you look at, I guess there's two aspects of what can determine future value of someone in a trial period. One is just to look at their profile. As you said, look at the type of company. Probably there's a lot of data that you can enrich which will tell you the name of the company, their location, and maybe even their, their global footprint, perhaps number of employees, number of drivers and vehicles and all that. That's certainly a, a great a stream of signals. And then you have the other stream of signals around their usage of the product and how engaged are they right away when they're in that trial period? Are they setting up profiles? Are they doing certain things with the product that would indicate that they're, they're going to be very active users? Are you looking at both enriched data and usage data, or is there another type of data that you also look at to determine, oh, this is something that we need to now route to sales because yeah. this is a, high, a future high value customer? Yeah, those are definitely the primary two types of data. There's also just like the data that they submit on, on, on submitting the form, right? So when they're signing up, we actually ask them like, what's your task volume? Generally, like how many deliveries are you doing on a, on a monthly basis? Are you sort of pre-launch? What industry are you in? So we'll know, like generally we focus on deliveries of goods. And so we, we tend not to work too much with like service businesses, for example. So if they're a service business, we'll generally not be a great fit. So those types of things, like we'll look at the data that they've submitted first and foremost, we'll look at the signals based on the company and then also their usage as well. So if mm -hmm. they're engaged, okay. it might be more of like a success outreach versus if they're not engaged. I see. Yeah. And I want to get to know a little bit more about your, the acquisition marketing itself, about how much of your acquisition marketing is straight paid media versus more organic approaches. Yeah. 
probably a third to half of our inbound volume is coming from paid channels. So SEM, digital ads, ABM campaigns. We also do quite a bit of content. So SEO is definitely a big part of our strategy as well. We really try to create unique and interesting and relevant content for the last mile industry for the types of companies that we're targeting. And then we also have, I'd say probably about a quarter of our inbounds are coming in from just word of mouth, organic. In the early days, it was a lot more. We grew a lot on sort of just inbound interest. And today that's about a quarter of our business. And these are companies that are you know hearing about OnFleet in different ways. And one of those ways actually might be the tracking page itself. When a delivery is being carried out by a driver using OnFleet, that customer, the end customer who's waiting for the delivery, they get a tracking page that says, hey, your delivery's on the way. You can track the driver and see where they are on a map and you can communicate with them. And so that tracking experience has a little powered by OnFleet logo there. And so it actually results in this interesting kind of, I guess, like viral mechanic that most B2B SaaS companies don't really benefit from. Every day, hundreds of thousands of deliveries are being performed. And of those, probably tens of thousands of people are sort of being exposed to that. Obviously, you know, the company can also disable that and kind of white label that experience as well if they want. But yeah, sometimes somebody will be exposed to that and say, hey, I have I have a delivery company of my own or I know a friend that, that might benefit from this kind of a software. So that's in that sort of quarter organic. And then conferences and events, partnerships, those are, that's another quarter or so of inbound. Yeah. So we have a pretty heavy kind of partnership driven strategy as well. Great. You mentioned ABM there, account-based marketing. I'd like to know a little bit more about that. When I think of account-based marketing, I'm thinking of channels like, well, LinkedIn, perhaps even G2 with this high intent data where people are comparing you versus competitors. Can you just walk me through in a little more detail that your, your ABM approach? Yeah. So ABM in this context, I'm thinking specifically about, yeah, LinkedIn. We do advertise on Captera, G2, SourceForge, GetApp, those review sites. I bucket that under SEM when someone's looking specifically, if they Google last mile delivery software or route optimization software, you know, Captera and those sites, they do a pretty good job with SEO. And so they'll show up pretty close to the top. Sometimes they'll even market to those keywords and then they'll show up right at the top of that Google result. And they'll say top 10 route optimization yeah. software providers. And then you click there and like, we'll pay them to show up near the top of that. Yeah, it's kind of like in the airline industry now. I mean, the airlines can't outrank Skyscanner and Expedia and Kayak because those guys are always dominating the organic SERPs. Yeah, so it's definitely a love-hate relationship there. But But you have to pay to play inside of those platforms and that's just the way the game is now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then there's obviously reviews. So we do, we try to get customers to write reviews and make sure that we're ranking well there because like they do also have badges and things like that that you can get from those yeah. sites that are like best of 2022 etc but as for, for account-based marketing it's basically these are companies that have an ideal profile we know they have some kind of a delivery operation they seem like a good fit we'll just add those companies to our abm list in linkedin okay yeah and i suppose those are that's more of your enterprise targets than that's the right. Fish, right yeah 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 and when you have these enterprise targets, how, to what extent do you go to create really custom content, things like specific case studies in their industry or other types of educational content for their space or even for the, their own company? Do you do that stuff too with a lot of custom content that you 
laser targets? We them? do. We definitely do case studies, and we'll yeah, we love doing case studies that are like really interesting in depth case studies. We have a bunch of case studies for different industries, from construction equipment to grocery to prepared meals, like all on our blog. We've also done like interesting white papers. So we've done industry specific white papers. So we did one for uh, grocery, one for cannabis, and just recently we launched one for pharmacy as well. Those are some pretty major segments for us. We do industry specific. We haven't done like company specific. Yeah. yeah. And then let's let's move from the ABM to the opposite side of the spectrum with a mass market or more of that product led growth approach. I presume there you're really just trying to tap into initially the bottom of the funnel. So I don't know the search volume, but I imagine it's very high for people that are looking for last mile delivery software and those types of terms that you just mentioned. Are you all really in the trenches fighting for that share of search down there at the bottom of the funnel? Yeah, we take, again, like a pretty content driven approach there. So we'll write, you know, what is like those kind of long form content posts on our blog, like what is last mile delivery, top 10 last mile delivery services. So if you Google route optimization software, route planning software, like hopefully we're showing up somewhere on the first page of Google, but it is, it's a constant struggle. And in the, during COVID, we definitely saw a pretty sort of large influx of, you know, smaller competitors coming into the market. A lot of folks bidding now on our branded keyword and things like that. So yeah. it's definitely the game is, is always evolving and we're always trying to take different strategies to make sure we're front and center. At the end of the day, like our primary strategy is always going to be to have the best product in the market. That's always, you know, from day one, we've always been very laser focused on the product. And for that reason, like it speaks for itself when a company generally, this is, it's a pretty considered purchase, right? Like when you're making this decision as to what delivery software to use, you're looking at uh, different providers, you're probably testing out a few of them and yeah. Usually when you're testing out on fleet, you're like, it's pretty clear that this is the best product out there. Our API documentation is very well written, very clear, easy, you know, user-friendly for developers and for the drivers and for the dispatchers and the logistics managers as well. You can look up our driver app store ratings and see that we're, you know, by far the top rated app in this category. So the, the focus on the product is the foundation for all of our growth at the end of the day. We'll definitely play the game and bid on those keywords and pay Captera for those clicks, but it's all rooted in having a really solid product. And if you don't, you're just going to end up with a leaky bucket anyway. And so all of those ad dollars that you spend are going to be thrown out the window. Yeah, I think so too. And if you have a healthy volume of, or portion of your acquisitions coming from organic non-paid, that also brings down your, your blended CAC, your, your total customer acquisition cost. And that allows you to be more aggressive in those paid auctions. And you can actually then drive out competitors who are more reliant purely on the paid media, because then the unit economics are so tight that at some point you can just price them out of those auctions. Because if you've got so much organic and you can kind of overpay a little bit on the paid side, just to, uh, to wipe out competitors. Yeah, that's right. And then obviously like that viral sort of mechanic that we mentioned earlier, that's another sort of amplifier where every additional customer you get, you have a chance of bringing in more customers because of yeah. that. Again, the partnerships approach is really powerful because we exist as part of a broader ecosystem. So fundamentally, like we do have a lot of partnerships with, especially on the sort of demand generation side. So the e-commerce and online ordering systems, and they're generally vertical specific. So for example, in cannabis, we, we partner with Dutchie and Meadow and Jane and many others for in grocery companies like MI9, which are kind of the online ordering or the, the e-commerce system for grocers for restaurant, there's Olo, right? So we have all of these 
integrations and partnerships. And so when, when their customers are looking for delivery software, they're just sending us those leads, right? Built out. Tell me a little bit more how those partnerships look like. So obviously they're big customers of yours and they're using your software. But what does it mean to be a partner? What else happens? Those folks aren't using our software directly. Their customers are using our software. So we basically, we have a bunch of mutual customers. So take Olo, for example, they went public last year. So, you know, pretty large player in the restaurant space and they do online ordering. So like if you go to applebees.com and you go to place an order, that's Olo powering that on the back end. And they integrate with the point of sale system. So we don't have to do those direct point of sale system integrations. And then if you, but if you place that order on Applebee's, if Applebee's has their own delivery fleet, that order can come into OnFleet and it'll come into OnFleet as a task or as a pickup and a drop-off task. And then that brand will use OnFleet to, uh, to manage their operation. So they'll be doing the routing and the dispatching and the tracking of the drivers and the drivers will be using our app. That brand, that, that merchant is our customer. And they get referred to us by our partner and point of sale and online ordering and e-commerce systems. Okay. You pointed out something in in particular about finding an organic product growth hook for B2B. An organic product growth hook. Have you all found that? And and where are you with that? The hook meaning, so on the the tracking page is is an interesting one, right? Like that's, I think, pretty unique. And it's just inherent in our model, like the product that we built a, a pretty big part of the value proposition is this tracking experience, which goes in front of their end customer. And so we have tens of thousands of people viewing this page every day, maybe even hundreds of thousands. And so there's potential that you're getting in front of someone that might have a need for the product that we've built. So there's that. And then once they click on that powered by OnFleet, they land at a specifically designed learn more page. So it's, I think, onfleet.com slash learn more. And they'll be able to sort of learn more from the perspective of someone receiving a delivery. So it'll say, hey, you know, are you waiting for your delivery? This is the software that that business is using to power their deliveries. And then it'll have a specific like, you know, refer a friend sort of thing. Once someone is in the product, then it's making sure that the product is super intuitive and easy to use and that we're kind of onboarding them through built-in tutorials. And we have, so we have the dashboard tour in the product. And then we'll sort of do the outreach. And at the end of the day, like that's a big part of it is kind of getting someone in the product. They want to play around. They want to get a feel for it, but we'll also want to get in touch and make sure that they're a good fit and help them with any questions that they have. Yeah. I want to move on to another thing that I heard you say, which is that the early stage usage. So when somebody's getting, I think you've got that 14 day trial period and a fair amount of people are going through that trial period. Are there certain actual product usage signals that tell you that this is a, regardless of all the enriched data that we talked about, even just assume it's just an average company, not that interesting, but are there product usage signals that can really predict that there's a future high value customer about to come in here? Yeah. Yes and no. Like there's definitely, it's clear when someone is engaged, like if they're basically, if they're, if they've created, they've gone through that sort of onboarding flow, right? We kind of guide them to create a team, add a driver, they download the driver app on their device, and then they create a task and assign it to the driver. And then they start it and complete it through the driver app. So that's the critical path that we try to get somebody through as quickly as possible. And we guide them through that when they first land in the dashboard. So they can get a feel for the product really from start to finish. Some people go through that as soon as they sign in, others don't. So that's monitoring whether they've gone through that or not. That's the initial thing. And then if they're 
constantly creating tasks. Usually it's on a daily basis or every couple of days they're creating tasks and completing them. It tells us that they're testing out the product and exploring different, you know, maybe communication settings or different features to get a feel for the product. So that's really it. That's our best indicator. Some organizations will go through and like import a lot of tasks and we'll be doing already kind of completing high volumes of tasks in that trial period. And so that's obviously a great sign. So when they're doing hundreds or, or thousands of tasks per day, by the end of their two week free trial, that's their, that's a really good position for us to be in. Yeah. So it's really two types. One would be how quickly they get through that critical path that you described with all these prerequisites to getting that, that first order, getting the driver, getting the first order tracked. And then the second is just the habitual, like almost like a frequency thing where they're just forming a habit. They're demonstrating that they're forming a habit with the software and it starts to look like something that they're going to use every day. I heard Patrick Campbell of ProfitWell, who just had a major exit, they sold to Paddle for $200 million right. and then 100% bootstrapped, not a dollar raised. And so Patrick Campbell, I had him on the podcast a, a few months back, and he recently spoke at a Google event, and he said that with analytics SaaS, and I, th- I think generally that you're, you are an analytics product, but with analytics SaaS, the end user really undervalues the amount of sophistication and complexity that goes into really getting the numbers right and getting the data right. And so to succeed as, a, as an analytics SaaS company, you've either got to be very successful at selling to the Fortune 5000 and really nailing an enterprise GTM strategy, or you have to have a product that it is so habitual that people are going to just be using it every day and they can't live without it at some point. It sounds like you've got, maybe you've got the first, but definitely have the second because this is like the Google Analytics of, of, for marketers like me. You really can't go a day if you're managing clients. You can't go one day without logging into Google Analytics because this is the truth of what's happening in the business. Yeah, I like to sort of refer to that as the system of record. And we're definitely the system of record for our customers' delivery operations. So they're obviously using us as, it's. I would say it's an operational SaaS platform. So they're using us to manage the the day-to-day and then the system of record, all the data from all of those deliveries, the, the proof of delivery you know, the recipient, so they can, they can look up in, in, in the on-fleet dashboard. Yeah. And if just to tie this back to the acquisition marketing again and paid acquisition, have you all ever thought about or experimented with trying to actually p- predict the, the future lifetime value when, right when somebody is either completing that critical path really quickly or they're starting to demonstrate really daily habitual use even during the trial period and then taking that value itself, that predictive lifetime value, and bring it into, say, Google Ads for what's called value-based bidding, where they can just bid on that value instead of a target CPA value? The only way for us to know the value of the customer is to know how many deliveries they're doing. And the only way for us to know that is either if they tell us or we can like guess based on the company size. Based okay. on their usage, it's really hard to tell. Almost all of our customers, really every single customer, there's, there's a ramp period, right? So they're starting out with low volumes. And then over time, they'll sort gotcha, of scale yeah. it out to different teams. So a lot of our customers, they started using us from when they were just a really small operation, maybe in operating in one market. And as they scale, because OnFleet really helps them scale their business as well, then they grow and their volumes grow as well. Yeah. So actually, what I think I, over, I overthought things. It's a lot simpler. If you get them to provide that amount, the delivery amount up front, if they 
volunteer that information. And I don't see why they wouldn't. I assume most of them would in an onboarding. You could just score them in some way. Now, a quick word from our sponsor. The Paris Talks Marketing Show is affiliated with Hop Online, a performance marketing agency focused on high-growth SaaS and other recurring revenue-based companies. If you like the flow of this conversation, you may want to consider jumping on a discovery call with someone at Hop Online. A discovery call is similar to my podcast interviews in a lot of ways. We'll get to know your business goals, competitive landscape, and marketing needs. And you'll almost certainly come away with some new ideas for how to accelerate your customer and revenue growth. If you're interested, go to hop.online, that's hop, H-O-P dot online, and book a discovery call with one of our strategists today. Now, back to the episode. And, and do these new trial starts, I, I guess these new profiles are flowing into a CRM of some sort? Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Salesforce. Yeah. It's Salesforce, yeah. yeah. So then the way to do that is just to take that Salesforce value. Let's say if you're putting a, I don't know, let's just say it's like, a, for example's sake, let's say you put $100 per task per month, nominal value or lead score on every new lead that comes in, every new trial start, that goes into Salesforce and then you just do an integration between Google ads and Salesforce so that Salesforce sends that those values of the scores back to Google and then Google will bid to maximize conversion value instead of bidding on a target cost per acquisition. Um, yeah. yeah. And that, that could be game changing for you all. Cause then you can bid appropriately. You, you can auto bid with Google appropriately for the really bigger leads according to their volume, according to their task volume, which is probably the best indicator of value. It seems a lot cleaner with you all because the number of tasks is actually how you price it. And people are self-reporting that right at the very beginning. I presume people aren't skipping that question because if I give you the accurate number, you're going to give me a better product experience probably. So Yeah, some people might exaggerate it a little bit just to get the better, the white glove uh, treatment uh, okay. to get reached out to. Occur. <laughs> okay. But you know, some people will put their projected volume, even if they're like a pre-launch startup, that kind of thing. But mm -hmm. yeah, for the most part, people- Oh yeah, here's how much we plan to be doing yeah, a, a yeah, year from now. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. After we get our series A and we, we, yeah. we get huge- <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. But we'll, I think, pretty quickly be able to know that. Yeah. That's it. Last thing I'm really curious to know, the bigger picture, let's zoom out a little bit here. How big is the total addressable market and how much of that have, do you think you've penetrated now? I love market sizing questions. It's it's so hard to know. I'm, yeah. Without a doubt, like the market has just exploded and, and there's no signs right now that it's going to go back to anything pre-pandemic levels. Retail has changed and we sort of exist to help retailers adapt and thrive in, in this new kind of delivery centric retail environment. It's a big market. It's, you know, there's a massive market opportunity and we're, I think the work that we've, that we're doing is, has never been more important. There's a lot of noise in the industry right now. A lot of folks coming out of the woodworks during COVID saying, oh, like obviously delivery is going to explode. Like let's build delivery software. And, so we have, you know, there's dozens of companies that have emerged over the last couple of years. It's easy to build a SaaS tool. I think it's hard to build one that's really thoughtful and carefully crafted to support a complex thing like logistics, right? There's a lot of moving parts. It needs to be really easy to use and intuitive in order to onboard a company quickly. Our driver apps that you'll pretty quickly see how we've put a lot of emphasis in, into the product design. And for that reason, we're definitely a leader in the industry. 
how big that market is. It's definitely growing. And there's so many different sort of estimates that I've read out there. I think the latest is roughly $30 billion market size for the delivery management software space. And it's growing somewhere around 12% a year, something like that. Nice. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's a lot of green space to be conquered then. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's the point. thing. As big of the market as the market is like 80% of fleets are still running on pen and paper, right? So that's, that's the big opportunity there is mm -hmm. like getting all of those legacy fleets that are running on quote unquote pen and paper, but spreadsheets, phone calls, text messages, chat apps. So we're, we're kind of moving in that direction to expand our total addressable market. I think we started with the really hard problems first and yeah, you know, that's connecting uh, with third parties. You mentioned, I mean, that the bigger opportunity, I mean, massively bigger opportunity is not trying to steal companies away from your competitors, but it's getting people to, to move off of spreadsheets and you're the first player or the first tool in the category that's, that's getting used when people really upgrade. That to me, if you said 80% or more of the addressable market are still pen and paper and or spreadsheet or cobbled together. Yeah. I, I guess when you see somebody that's entering the category for the first time, the relationship that you can build with them, it's, it's really different than a switcher. I think because if you provide a good experience for those people, it's got to just be, it's got to be a whole stratosphere better for them moving off of spreadsheets or some archaic custom built software. And then yeah, I guess the loyalty and the stickiness yeah. must be much, much higher when they have a good experience. For sure. Yeah. Some of our customers have been with us from day one, right? So for yeah. six, seven years, they've been using OnFleet and they've mm -hmm. never looked back because... Yeah, they weren't using anything previously and we offered them this great package for them to manage their operations and it's worked really well. It's definitely, I guess, a blue ocean or green field or whatever. Whatever the analogy. Well, Khaled, this has been wonderful. Just as we wrap up here, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you were hoping that I would ask you or is there anything else that you think that our audience can benefit from? Uh, not really. Thanks for having me on the show. I think, I guess I'd say to your audience, spend as much time as you can with your customers, get to know them and their pain points and how they think about them. And obviously that's the foundation for building a great product, but also to understand the messaging and sales and marketing go to market approach. Mm -hmm. And if anyone in the audience is doing delivery, please check out onfleet.com. Certainly. Have. Yeah. But we're also growing our marketing team now. So if anyone's you probably have a lot of marketers in your audience, reach out to careers at onfleet.com to learn. Hey, tell me uh, what kind of roles are you hiring for right now? I think right marketing. now in marketing, it's a content role we're hiring for, <clears throat> content strategy. Great. That's exciting. Yeah. 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 Well, good luck with that. Thank you. Exciting times, I think, to be in SaaS marketing. And there's yeah, so much opportunity. Great. Khalid, where can people find you online? Onfleet.com. Um, right. Or email me, look me up on LinkedIn, Khaled Naeem, or just shoot me an email, Khaled at onfleet.com. All right. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, thanks very much, Khaled, and all the best to you. Another great episode in the books. Hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get notified when future episodes drop, be sure to subscribe to Paris Talks Marketing on your favorite podcast player. And to learn more about our growth marketing agency, visit hop.online. That's hop, H-O-P dot online. Have a great day.